Filippo Levy, we've just had an awesome conversation on the Leading Through Challenge show. Uh, we talked a bit about resilience, about high performance and about being adaptable as a leader. Like, What are some of the other topics that we touched on today? Leading um, your team through, uh, through this crisis and how you communicate, uh, how you treat them, but how you also engage with them, how you make them feel safe uh, and secure. Filippo Levy, welcome to Leading Through Challenge, mate. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, no worries, Chris. It's, a, it's, a awesome, it's awesome to be here. Filippo, uh, who are you in a nutshell? Oh, my nutshell? Yeah. You might <laughs> use a, a whole 20 minutes on this one. <laughs> uh, I'll keep it short. I mean, I'm a, um, uh, you know, I was born in New Zealand, so I'm Samoan, uh, um, New Zealander, uh, raised uh, uh, in sort of Hamilton when I was uh, young, and then I came to Auckland. Uh, till I was 10 and then I went to Dunedin so we sort of uh, went to Dunedin and I stayed in Dunedin uh, till I was about 28 got married and uh, went overseas so pretty much I'm a, um, a guy that's experienced a lot of things in terms of um, um, you know, in terms of change um, and also um, also grabbing uh, grabbing opportunities um, you know seeing opportunities and, and taking them yeah and what's some of the work that you're doing at the moment Okay, so the last uh, year and a bit, so or year and a half now, um, just sort of, sort of um, started my business and speaking. So, uh, and part of that was it was a journey in terms of transitioning from um, from rugby from a from a rugby player into uh, you know uh, having my own business. Um, so I had a plan, a, a seven year journey, where I thought, okay, that's it. I've had five years of being in the private sector, private education sector for like five years. So I thought, now this is, I've got to jump with both feet. So now I sort of um, work with, uh, with corporates to uh, the construction companies with leaders to change mindsets. And I talk specifically on growth mindset in terms of, um, you know, having that, that uh, attitude to, to see through challenges and also seeing a different angle of what's, uh, you know, what's ahead. Awesome, mate. And like, what are the aspects of leadership that excite you the most? Look, the one thing I know uh, I talk about lots is something that's very close to my heart, which is a Samoan saying. So one of the Samoan proverbs, you know, it says, uh, if I just say it slowly for reviewers, it's the ole ala ile pule, ole tautua. So I'll repeat it again. Ole ala ile pule, ole tautua. Which uh, sort of loosely translated uh, means that the pathway to leadership is through service. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, so so a lot of the uh, servant leadership uh, I talk about in terms of uh, you know how do you uh, you know communicate with people how do you engage with uh, with your workers as, as a manager or a leader or CEO um, how do you coach them through through things at the moment because the moment we're talking about management but there's a sort of a slight change to coaching people in terms of getting the you know getting the best sort of uh, engagement or uh, you know um, or uh, the, um, uh, the production in terms of the of the work up. Yeah, and like I imagine that um, from your your professional rugby days as well, like you were a leader then. Um, a lot of the same skills that you were utilising then, you would also utilise now. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. So that I mean, when I sort of transitioned into the private education space, I sort of wanted to you know get, sort of get stuck into into the, into the nine to five grind um, and learn on on the go. So a lot of athletes have that sort of attitude, just to you know just to uh, other you know, just to get in there and challenges and, uh, and try to overcome uh, whatever comes your way. So I guess one of those things is using a lot of my, my rugby sort of um, uh, experiences uh, and then sort of, um, you know, how do you use that to help others and how do you use it to serve others? 
because, uh, you know, I've had over 13 years of, of playing professional rugby, so I've experienced uh, different leaders, leaders uh, different coaches, uh, you know, to uh, like the likes of uh, Richie McCall. We played at school together at Tiger Boys, so I know what he's like, and I used to play him when he was at the Crusaders, and they kept beating us. Um, so I won't talk about that. Uh, so, yeah, and then from then on, I transitioned into, into the Manu Samoa team, um, and then I sort of captained them. Uh, and they learned on the, you know, uh, learned sort of leadership uh, in crisis in terms of uh, how, uh, you know, um, when you play for Samoa, it's very different to playing in New Zealand in terms of uh, the uh, the culture, uh, the language, uh, but also uh, how you fit the different sort of um, personalities uh, in a team. So you had, um, you know, how do you balance uh, those Samoans who were raised in Australia with those who were raised in New Zealand, which were quite different to those who were born in Samoa and raised in Samoa. So combining that, you know, those um, different sort of um, personalities and, um, you know, it was, you know, quite difficult. Uh, but it was, you know, it was fun, fun learning. But it's, uh, it was a good challenge. Yeah, that's actually quite a fascinating topic. And, and I think that's probably one that a lot of uh, teams and workplaces fi- do find challenging is like, how do we we've got kind of a diverse workforce here. Like how do we bring everyone together to work on a common, uh, a common goal or a common outcome with this diversity of background? Like what were some of the, uh, the interesting themes that you found from, from that experience and from the stuff that you have learned more recently to help pull people together in that way? It comes down to, I mean, um, you know, that famous American, um, you know, speaker, you know, John Maxwell says that everything rises and falls on leadership. And uh, that's quite, that's, that's, you know, that's universal. So, uh, you know, everything does rise and fall on leadership. And at the moment, what we're currently facing in terms of our own COVID-19 challenges is that we're seeing leaders standing up and leaders sort of not doing what they're not supposed to do. So, uh, but also you, uh, what I take is from uh, my experiences of Samoa and being, um, you know, and, and keeping the team and, and leading them is, is their servant leadership. Um, and a lot of that sort of comes through. Because you know, uh, you know, you need a leader to, to lead. But how do you treat people? You know, with, with uh, you know, with kindness. Uh, you know, that that whole thing in terms of kindness, it's very embedded into our, into the Pacific Island culture. Being kind to people, being um, uh, empathetic of others. Um, you know, of different sort of um, personalities, of different uh, skill sets, and uh, you know, to create a team. So yeah, so um, so yeah, that's a bit of a, mm. a, a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, and I, like I think kindness is something that I'm, I'm big on as well in terms of of leading qualities that a leader should look to develop like this situation is really interesting and it's really fascinating and it puts a it's put a massive amount of pressure on a whole lot of people and sometimes one of the first things to go is that kindness uh and like if that goes then our leadership definitely struggles like how can we how can we remind ourselves or how can we ensure that we are being kind through this time yeah i mean it's interesting you know we've been um uh, you know you, like you know people who uh, you know there's something when i talk about um, you know when you're in the room and someone walks in the room and they just you know, everything just turns turns dark <laughs> uh you know with someone coming in the room and then you have another mm-hmm. person that walks in the room and they just everything just just, just lightens up so you're gonna have different personalities and different people who are who are forced to be kind. So um, the whole whole psychology of being kind is, is being forced upon us. And as I think as Kiwis, sometimes we don't like that. And, you know, we want to do our own thing. And, uh, um, you know, I, I can be, uh, you know, stuck in my own ways. And sometimes I'm challenged by my wife. Uh, you know, says, oh, you need to look at this angle. Okay. Okay, maybe. 
okay, maybe, not yet. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, of, of, of kindness, it is something you, you need to become, it's, it's, it's becoming, you know, becoming kind, you know, um, to say to be kind, it's very hard for people because we're ingrained in our own habits in terms of how we speak to people, how we interact with others. Um, so for leaders who are out there being told to be kind, it's uh, not natural. Um, mm. but when you talk about the growth mindset, you know, it's not yet, not yet kind. <laughs> so, yeah, so you have sort of strategies to sort of lead them through to, you know, to, you know, the, um, the, the, the process to, to get them to be kind. Yeah, and like I think one of the first things that it starts with is is that awareness of like how am I operating? Like, am I was I kind today? Like, was I kind in those situations? Um, and some of them you won't be. Like, some of them hopefully you you were. The majority hopefully you were. But some of them, looking back on it at the end of the day, or looking back on it afterwards, and just kind of thinking, hey, what could I have done differently? in that situation to be more kind and hopefully next time around when you're in a similar situation, you can start to apply that stuff. Um, sometimes you need to kind of go through that process a few times, I'm sure before, uh, before things start to stick. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny to say that. I mean, um, um, you know, talking about, um, you know, changing habits, um, uh, you know, when I had to, you know, had to sort of lead teams, you know, I, I, I did things in my own sort of, uh, my, own, my own way, but I need to really think about the broader of, of what, you know, the team wants, but also uh, I need to um, sort of negotiate with the with the managers and also with the CEO and, uh, you know, because it's, it's, you know, in a team, it's not just the team, it's just the players you're dealing with, you're dealing with other things beyond our control. So, um, so a lot of it comes down to, uh, the way that things are, are done in different organisations. So, um, and part of that is the culture. So, uh, culture has a, has a lot to do with uh, organisations or leadership, um, and it's systems as well. So, if a culture's always got that, you know, you always know when you go into a organisation, you you can feel a sense, um, you know, that the um, that the company organisation is, you know, there's there's you know there's that sort of there's a question mark, you know, um, and it's those touch points, you know, those first touch points of organisation when you ring up when you uh, when you knock on the door, when you meet people, and that's when you first get the first impression of organisation, and uh, you know, and you can look towards the towards the leadership as being the person that's uh, in charge of that. So, mm. Mm. and I know, like you do a lot of thinking around high performance cultures and uh, how we can how we can have high performance teams operating as well, and that might not be something on on everyone's mind just at the moment um it's it might be more of a how do we survive this time but like how can people think about operating in a high performance way through this really challenging period look i mean i'm a obviously i'm a um, my personality is a, i'm an extrovert <laughs> so, yeah. I, so as an extrovert i need to be around people and be in big crowds and you know and socialize so i like going to my local bar you know i like going to meetings and meeting people and and uh, you know, face-to-face meetings, face-to-face trainings, or a keynote talk, and you have others who are um, who like their own bubble, who are introverts. So um, you know, if I compare myself to my wife, it took me about three, four years to understand that she was introvert. And the way I the way I understood it was I googled introvert years ago. <laughs> introvert, what's introvert? And then I had a bubble of of a, of a person sipping their coffee in the morning. And in, their, and in their bubble, they're reading the book with a coffee. 
So, and here comes along another, there's another picture, a cartoon of, a, of, a, of the husband or partner coming through and then, and, and, and actually trying to talk to the inside of the bubble. And then the person turns around the bubble and gets real frustrated. So what I've learned is that when I, I see my wife reading her book or reading her or having her, her coffee, she's having her own time to, uh, to, to process the day and process what she needs to do. So for me, I like to say, hey, what are you doing? What should we do today? So what I have to learn as, as a husband and, uh, is to actually leave her alone, uh, walk away, have my own coffee, and then wait for her to come out, out of her bubble. And then, uh, then that's when I can talk. So, so yeah, so we talk about personalities. So uh, introverts are loving this. <laughs> loving, loving stay out, you know, the lockdown. But for a lot, a lot of extroverts, it's it's a struggle. So um, you know, it's a, um, you know, and, and people thrive, you know, working, um, you know, in their own environment at home. And some people like to thrive working in the office space where there's others to interact. And that's something I miss uh, working in the offices when I used to work in schools and the private education space. Uh, but now working as a, you know, just um, you know, my own company that's just sort of. Uh, you know, I've got to do most things, you know, um, and I've got to sort of adapt and uh, adjust to what I do. So, so now you know, this, I'm sitting here in her space, her office space. So behind me, it's it's a picture of her. You can't see it. Um, so I've been sort of kicked out to the other side in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, you've got to adapt. And I, um, you know, the last few weeks I've been involved with groups and, and, and coaching um, uh, groups where you know we people, you know, uh, you know, are using this as a way to. Um, to start to pivot, you know, their own business in terms of how they um, speak, because now uh, obviously it's going to be a more more remote training uh, or online or, or virtual um, talking. Or so that's something that I'm adapting my my, my sort of business model of, of how I um, of how I operate. So I think that's a lot of organisations, a lot of speakers, a lot of trainers and coaches uh, we're going through at the moment is to try and pivot and to adjust or adapt their own uh, the way they do things and. Um, so, yeah, so you're going to have people going to struggle. You're going to have those who, uh, who, who, you know, who are challenged uh, by it. But, but uh, yeah, but something that we need to become better at. Yeah, yeah, and I think like from what I'm hearing you say with with that as well is that like the the high performance aspect and when you start to perform better is when you start to understand the people around you better as well mm. and how they're working. Like I'm I'm kind of similar. Um, I might not be quite as extroverted as you, but um, I'm I'm definitely on the extroversion scale. My wife is an introvert as well, so I. I definitely, uh, I definitely understand what you're what you're talking about there with uh, kind of leaving them in the bubble and like what's what's one of the challenging things I think for me is that um, I'm an external processor as well like as I like to talk th- things through and sometimes I don't know what it is that I'm thinking until I've had a chance to talk it through whereas she'll she'll kind of develop that whole thing in her in her mind and then be able to articulate it really well whereas I'll kind of stumble over stuff and eventually find my way to to that end point but the the better that you can understand the people around you I think mm. and the way that the others within your team work then the the more you're going to be able to get the best out of them so it's like <clears throat> I mean, this is kind of topical as well as the the Chicago Bulls with oh, with I was, just, I was I was just thinking that yeah with, with with Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and and all of those guys and they're all super different guys that Phil Jackson as a leader had to adopt different approaches to each of the different people like he couldn't coach Rodman like he coached MJ 
because of the way that um, the, the way that Rodman responded. So the more that you can kind of deeply understand what makes your team tick, the more you can pull that cool stuff out of them. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, we talk about basketball, and I, I've been loving that series. You know, you look at a lot of the analogies and the sports analogies. And, you know, you look at you know netball teams, the league teams, to any sort of sport. You know, you can actually see that Michael Jordan. You know, who was that personality that, that suits Michael Jordan? Who was the who was the Rodman guy? And I think I'm sort of the Rodman. <laughs> so yeah. the guy that uh, you know, I was. I mean, just a big background when uh, when like when their former. Former coach Laurie Maines, he was a former All Black coach. So when he brought me into the Otago team to start against, I think, um, I think it's Wellington, and I was about 21, and I and I was coming against uh, one of the, you know, uh, uh, a future All Black uh, lock, and he's uh, actually I forgot his name. Oh no, I do know Dion Waller, Dion Waller, yeah. Dion Waller, and uh, and um, Inoki Afiaki. So Wellington in the in the late 90s and mid, you know, and they still are at um, mid 2000s and even now, you know, they are known as that team that bullies, they like to bully others. And it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, um, you know, you think of their players, you know, they're really aggressive physical players. So, so Laurie started me the game against, um, against Lions and he said, all you want to do is just hustle, just, just, just be aggressive, just get in their face, just do what you can do. So, oh yeah, no worries. So he knew he knew what, what made me tick. So he knew that I like to be physical, to be uh, uh, confrontational. I like to sort of uh, defend my players, even though I was surrounded by ninety percent of the All Blacks. It didn't really matter. I was just excited to be there. So, uh, so yeah. So going back to the to uh, the Shaga Bulls, yeah, it's, it's fascinating eh, in terms of um, you know how you uh, deal with different personalities, you know. And actually, one thing I really admired of the coaching um, of of the Bulls is that you're actually you know you're allowing. Uh, the team to have a day off, you know. I think it was just before the '98 Bulls finals, they had a week off. Uh, no, a week, a no, day off. Sorry, a day off before their finals game, which was the week, uh, you know, in the week's time. So for and I think uh, that uh, Michael Jordan said that if the coach was young, he wouldn't have done that, you know. But, mm. but so that's why he respected Phil of allowing the players to have a day off because the stress of a high-performing team, uh, you know, they sometimes they just need that time off to actually, you know, uh, not relax so much as we, you know, you don't turn to train the next day, which Rodman did, <laughs> but, but this was a different context. And uh, and I think they, you know, uh, you know, uh, you have managers, uh, coaches who can really look into some of those leadership uh, and and, uh, and fill in and also a lot of uh, rugby coaches that I can talk about today. But. Mm. And like how how would you go about starting to try and understand your, your team a little bit better? It's, I think it's, it comes down to um, relationships, you know, relationships, how you, um, you know, how you talk to people, how you, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, everyone has a different uh, way of communicating. Um, you know, like say, uh, take for example, the last sort of four years I've been involved with club rugby. Um, so coming you know, I'm pretty old school. I like to say, do this, do this, do this. But in terms of your of your coaching, uh, you know, coaching style, you know, some players would react to that. They, they, mm. they wouldn't like that because the first thing they'll ask is, in the own heads, why? So, uh, and it was challenging when I was coaching these young guys, you know, um, let's just look at uh, the Blues. I was coaching um, the number eight, um, uh, Sotutu. You know, he's, he's, he's one of the um, outstanding players currently. You know, he's one of the form number eights. You know, he could be, could be a potential all black but when i coached him three years ago it was very different he came straight out of the school into colts rugby and then came and made the uh, 
our senior team for Marish. So, and I found him quite a, quite aloof. Uh, you know, he'll st- stand back and he'll, you know, but you know, so I had to adapt the way I talk to to young people. And it, you know, challenge my coaching because um, I guess being coached by old school in Otago, you know, it's, it's do do this way, do that way. And I, and, I, and I thrive on it. I thrive on leaders who say black and white, do this, do that. Okay, cool, I'll do it. Um, and then others like to like the um, you know the style of Wayne Smith, you know, um, you know the former assistant to Albert coach. You know, he's a different way of people with people. He's very uh, analytical. He's, he's an interview, and he likes to you know form those close relationships with people. So, um, so yeah, it, it comes down to how you yeah, how you adapt your own your own mm. way of, of managing or coaching or, or forming those relationships with people and, uh, you know, and having the fact that you hear that, that everyone's different um, and what you, what, what you could say could upset people, but uh, you've got to learn from that. And uh, sometimes you just, um, you know, you've got to be the, the that, that sort of that person in the middle to sort of, um, to, to form the team, just like uh, Phil Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, mate. And like, I, I think, like, as you say, it's kind of about understanding your own strengths and how you communicate best, but also having that, that openness and that adaptability to change your style based on who it is that you're, you're interacting with, but also probably being able to drop the ego and not, not judge yourself as well if you don't get it right first time or if people don't understand the way that you're communicating to them. It's, it's interesting you said uh, the ego. Um, uh, <laughs> I won't name the person, but uh, you know someone very close in the All Blacks coaching system, um, and uh, this is a few months ago. <laughs> so, and 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 this person told me that um, you know the coaches, um, you know coaches have a, uh, you know you have different coaches, and, and how they're perceived by the public could be quite different to how, the, how they're perceived by their own teammates or the management of the team. So you have a different leader that's that's leading, you know, uh, pretty much different in, in the circle. But in, in the public view, it's um, you know it's quite different. We actually look at it. Okay, they're quite a good coach, but in fact, there's you know with leadership, it's always going to be uh, you know um, yes, yeah, so it's not it's not going to be uh, you know um, a, a smooth ride for a lot of lot of coaches and a lot of leadership. There's going to be you know there's going to be fights. There's going to be uh, politics involved. So you got all that um, in terms of coaching and and I think ego was. My friend Tommy was was high on the list of, of some coaches who, who see themselves as a person that could uh, really take the team. But um, so yeah, I think uh, and that could be um, part of a lot of organisations. Um, I just read an article last few days few days ago about um, um, about how you engage your teams in terms of leadership, and I, I was really shocked to see some of the latest stats from the Harvard Business Review. I think this this month's um, a magazine that said that out of the two and a half thousand uh, companies they they looked at or studied, or um, but I'm not sure I'm not sure how, how accurate the uh, the study is, but they they looked at how they engage teams, and only forty percent of leaders or managers um, ask their team members, "How are you?" Mm. <laughs> yeah, I read I read that article that you wrote, and like that that statistic stood out for me. I was like, that is. Probably not a great way to be leading a, t- a team is is not uh, actually checking in and asking them how they're doing. Yeah, and I think you came back to I think uh, you spoke about um, at the moment. It's all about being safe, being secure. Mm. Uh, you know, people want to be in their jobs. Uh, you know, uh, at the moment, what what we're trending upwards, thousands of jobs are being uh, you know uh, 
uh, are sort of increasing, you know, that uh, the curve is going the other way um, in terms of flattening the curve. So, so yeah, so people want to feel safe, to feel secure um, at the moment. So that's the main, that's the main, uh, main sort of things that want, want to, uh, that people want to feel themselves as a person and how they fit in, in the wider team of things and how they can support their families uh, in this time of crisis. Yeah, and I think as leaders, we have an important role in terms of helping people feel safe as well. Is that like yeah, asking asking that how are you question is a really important one to check in with your team. But actually, then as a leader, being prepared to do something about the answer that you get as well. Like if someone says that they're not okay, just just say, "Oh, sweet, I've checked that box. I've said how are you." Like. Nah, you, you can't do that. You've got to go and actually follow up on that action and, and help people feel safe because like all of the literature shows that if people don't feel safe, then they're not going, their, their problem solving goes down, their crea- creativity goes down, um, their productivity goes down as well. Like even if we're thinking, if we just think about it purely from a working capacity, like that stuff is massive to lose. But then also... Mm-hmm that's how they're showing up for their families and for their loved ones as well, is that they can't problem solve some of the problems that they need to, uh, to sort out at, at home or, or in their communities. And if they can't do that, then they feel even less safe and it turns into a bit of a spiral as well. So like asking that question, but then being prepared to follow up with some action about making people feel more safe too. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, um, it comes down to communication, but also, with communication, it comes to you know to listening. Mm. Actually, listening. So um, you know, I mentioned this in a lot of my talks. I I talk about you know um, speak once and listen twice. Yeah. So you got, cool. got so you got one mouth and you got two ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like that, mate. <laughs> um, Filippo, what's what's influenced your thoughts about leadership the most in the last couple of years? Um, again, that comes down to how I was raised by my parents. I think um, my my parents are very, you know, my, very, my sort of heroes or role models. So as my parents, they had different ways of talking to me. So my dad's an introvert. Yeah. I've just, you know, oh, yeah, dad loves to read the books and stay in his room and not come out. <laughs> and whereas, whereas my mom is an extra, she's, she's more me. She loves to be in the open. She likes to socialize and be the... You know, that person in the middle of a party to, you know, to, to cause fuss, uh, you know, and to have fun. So I think uh, using them as my, as, as, um, as my own thinking and my thought process in terms of leadership, you know, that's, you know, how I, um, you know, that's how I, I sort of draw out a lot of strengths, um, you know, to learn from and also help with my own weaknesses, you know, how I can get better to engage people, how can I, you know, um, communicate more effectively because I guess my mum was my first coach in speaking so my first time I spoke in front of hundreds of people was was at church so in, in the Samoan culture we have something called uh, called White Sunday which is celebrated every sort of end of the year which celebrates the um, celebration of, of children so children in Samoa so it came uh, and there's different stories of how it uh, how it came about but uh, it came but my mum told me it came out Many years ago, after the uh, the um, the Spanish flu in Samoa, so in, in, in 1918, so when the, the boat from New Zealand came, uh, the, the Tsunami boat came to uh, Samoa, it, it infected. Well, actually, 
uh, you know, created a huge pandemic in Samoa, which pretty much, um, you know, the, the, the fatality rate was over 20% of the population. So from that on, many, a lot of uh, uh, people were lost, a lot of the elders were lost. So out of that, they had to look at something to have hope for, and the hope was our children, uh, you know, the children of Samoa. So, so now we celebrate it many years later. Um, you know, we celebrate um, children and, and also... Uh, you know, get them to celebrate um, the culture and also speaking the language, Samoan language, and learning uh, verses or verses or Bible verses, which sometimes I just didn't know how I did it when I was six, seven years old. So I guess my first, so, uh, so yeah, so when I was six or seven years old, you know, that's when I started to practice to, to speak in front of people and I was nervous. I was, you know, I was stuttering and, you know, I was um, sweating. You know, I, I can still... Uh, you know, go back now. I mean, think about it now and those experiences. It's just bring back a lot of fun because I knew if I did it really well, then there's always ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there's always a reward. <laughs> oh, nice. And, and that's, that's super powerful, actually. That, that stuff is, um, is taking it back to, to your parents and, and kind of filtering how you think about leadership through them. That, that's really cool, man. Um, this, is a, like, this is a show about trying to get better at being leaders, especially being leaders through adversity. But is there a time that you haven't led well or that you've let, you think that you've led badly? And if so, are you happy to share it? Okay, I'll, I'll share one. Um, I guess it came down to, um, so I was in, this is 2008, so 2008 season I was the captain of Samoa, so we finished our last game, last game against um, Japan. Um, and we won, uh, and then we went to, and then we flew, and I flew back to Japan that year, in 2008, and then, um, and as you know, in rugby, um, uh, they have different seasons, you know, so you have the, so you have the seven sort of tests, or seven, uh, seven hemisphere tests, which are all in sort of that July period, um, which is for the northern uh, hemisphere, which is summer, so our season was in July, and then from July to November, there was a big break. So I was in Japan and I waited and you know and I started my uh, my second season with Rico in, in Tokyo and um, I got a phone call around around early late November I don't know sorry late um, beginning of September uh, to say that I need to fly back to um, to New Zealand to play a test match and I asked the uh, the manager who we play uh, we're playing the All Blacks and I asked him who are we playing the All Blacks. So for a minute there, I thought, how are we going to face the All Blacks with knowing um, knowing that the players were not available to play? Mm-hmm. So when the players I'm talking about are the professional players, so 90% of our professional players were not available to play the game against the All Blacks. So, so I had to make a decision to, do I lead the team or just let them, you know, Play the All Blacks, you know, without uh, you know, without the captain. So um, I, just, I, just, I spoke to my wife. She said, "You need to go." And thought about it. Okay, I'll, I'll go. So uh, the next few days, I went to uh, Auckland and uh, and we, we prepared the team. So you know, we had like a week to to form a team to to face the All Blacks, and and the All Blacks just played the Springboks probably two weeks prior, and they. I think they put 30, 40 points on the Springboks, who were the reigning champions, the, the World Cup champions from 2007, and the Springboks scored zero. So about 30, 40, 30, 40 nil. 
not sure what the score, yeah, the, the uh, exact details, but all I know was the Springbok scored zero. So here we have a team, a uh, bunch of um, guys just joined from everywhere, from Kaurapi, from Samoa villages to, you know, just taking anyone who's Samoan who could, who could play rugby. So yeah, so put the, put the team together. And then we uh, didn't have really much of a game plan. Um, in fact, no, we, we sort of had a, a, a simple game plan, which is to spin the ball wide because many of our players were sevens players. So a lot of the Sabon uh, players in our team from Samoa were sevens players and our sevens team were, uh, you know, they actually won the World, the World Cup uh, a few years, I don't know, the year before. So we had, you know, guys who won the World Titles. But sevens and fifteens are quite different. Um, so we, we try to play their sevens uh, a game against the All Blacks. So but anyway, at the end, I won't tell you what the score was, but, uh, but look, we, we, we lost quite heavily and, um, you know, I thought I failed and, and I guess I, um, you know, I had, I had, I had sort of two, two speeches uh, to, you know, um, prepare to, to either, you know, uh, like a, either a speech, uh, you know, a winning speech or a, or a losing speech. So, um, so I had to, um, you know, front, front the, uh, the media and um, apologise to the, to the country that we didn't do our best, but, you know, we, we, we tried to give it all. So in terms of leadership, I think uh, I sort of failed. But, um, but I guess a lot of things failed, you know, the whole system, you know, of actually getting us to play a game where none of our players were available at the time. And I guess it comes down probably to, you know, what was happening further up, you know, in terms of the, um, you know, whole, um, you know, what was happening between using a rugby and Samoa, what was, you know, why were they trying to push this game, knowing full well that uh, our players weren't available. So, so I guess I mean there's always something for for Samoa rugby, but uh, I won't say it on on, on here. But uh, I can just say it's yeah it had a um, yeah, had a massive impact on my own leadership in terms of um, you know how do you lead from in crisis of having none none of your team available? How do you front the, one of the best teams in the world? Um, so yeah, yeah man, this gonna be this gonna be a tough experience regardless. Um, Filippo, what should what should leaders be doing right now? What should they be focusing on? I think it's really it's I mean it's quite important. We we obviously know that the what they need to to concentrate on is is the safe is is, that, is the well being of their workers. Uh, at the moment, they're looking for for safe uh, safe jobs and safe positions, and, and a lot of leaders are having to make the call to either you know to to cut staff or to take pay cuts um, or to or let a lot of their staff go, a lot of uh, really good staff, you know, who will be loyal to the company or organisation. So I guess it's, it's a tough one at the moment in terms of crisis. And, and I guess it's how do you support them if they're being let go? How do you support them in their transition? How do you support them to maybe look at another role uh, at another organisation, you know? So, uh, you, know, what, 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 you know, what are the, what's HR doing? You know, how can they fit into the picture in terms of, um, of helping their, their colleagues who are being let go? So, but also for leaders have to make the right, right decision for the, the long-term, um, uh, sort of long-term sort of impact of the organisation in terms of, um, you know, how can we, you know, um, take a massive cut now. You know, Sky City is taking a massive, you know, they've let a lot of people go, but they, they need to look at the long-term strategy of the organisation. They need to last for not just six months, they need to last five, 10, 20 years down the track. So a lot of organisations are making those, you know, those tough calls, but they need to do it from the point of view, from the big picture point of view, or in terms of getting people through, or getting the organisation through. So, uh, but it does start with people, you know, you know, how do you treat them kindly? How do you, 
be being empathetic in terms of um, you know their safe um, their safe being safe and secure and their well-being or, or their or, uh, and their families. So it's a, it's a tough one. So uh, and it's a balance. A lot of leaders are going right you know right this minute. Filippo mm. Levy, thanks so much for joining me today, mate. It's been good fun. Nice, right, Chris. It's awesome to to chat to you and uh, yeah, and we'll we'll catch up soon.